worship is something that brings us into the presence of the Lord. And the Word of God uh, is now ready to be sown in good ground hearts. If it finds a good ground heart in this room today, it will bring forth fruit, some 30, some 60, and some 100 fold. The reason trusting God is so vital when you come to encounter the Word of God is because the Bible said some seed fell among ground with weeds growing in it. And the weeds grew up and choked the Word and caused it to become unfruitful. Now anything that has the power and potential to choke God's Word and the fruit of it in your life is something we need to deal with and take very seriously. Amen. Amen? And what is that? They said, Lord, explain this to us. What are you talking about? We understand the agricultural ramifications of weeds taking over before the tender plants have a chance to really grow and thrive and become fruitful. He said, when anyone hears the word of God and the deceitfulness of riches, the deceitfulness of riches... The deceitfulness of riches is causing the word to become unfruitful in many Christians this morning. Because they think they can't live without that job and that money. Because if they had to give up those things or trust God, they're not going to do it. Push comes to shove, they're not going to do it. Already. And what is the deceitfulness of riches? It's the idea that riches can somehow fulfill you if you have enough and make you happy and you're going to be fine in life if you can just acquire this and you can just acquire that and you can just acquire this. The deceitfulness of riches is it's all a lie. It can't give you that. You say, Brother Bill, if I had a million dollars, all my worries would be over. No, it wouldn't. Then you'd be worried about the IRS and how much they're going to take. (laughs) I don't know why I pointed at John. It's just (laughs) reflex, I guess. He works for the IRS, but don't worry. Don't worry. He's, he's not after you and me. He's after the bad guys, okay? All right, anyway. And he is after real bad corporate crime. Uh, so people say money won't make you happy. I saw a bumper sticker the other day. says, anyone who thinks money won't make you happy don't know where to shop. Amen. So they think if I just can get this and I can acquire that, I'm going to be happy. Well, the problem is the world goes after that and achieves that, and they're still not happy. They're still alcoholic. They can't find a woman they can be satisfied with. They can't find a house that they can be satisfied with. They can't get enough fame. They can't get enough allocates. You can't buy peace. It's not for sale anywhere. And yet Christ said, I remember hearing the testimony uh, one time of a, a mafia hitman that came to Christ. He got saved. He had murdered people for hire. He got big money for taking someone out that they wanted taken out. He would fly into a city, he would do the job, and he would fly out the next day, and he was so good at it, they never caught him. But he came to the Lord. They finally caught up with him. He came to the Lord. He went to prison to serve a life sentence. It took getting caught and getting in that condition, but he found Christ in prison, and he found freedom. And here's a statement that he made. He said, I had enough money to... to, to, to rent a suite of rooms 
just for myself and whoever I would bring into those rooms to party. He said, I could rent a suite of rooms. I could rent the presidential suite in one of the hotels in one of the big cities. And and, uh, he said, it cost me $10,000 per night to rent that room. It came with all the amenities. I could buy all of the drugs I want. I could, I could invite all the women I wanted. I could, I could just have everything that my flesh could desire. But he said, I couldn't buy peace. I couldn't buy one on those wonderful mattresses and pillows in that wonderful suite. He said, I couldn't buy one good night's sleep. Poor Michael Jackson, who he was a talented young man. He was a very talented. He came from a talented family, but he was never satisfied with his looks. He was never satisfied with his fortune. He was never satisfied with his with his fame, and he couldn't get one night's sleep, even with sleep medications. They had to give him propofol, or, or I think I'm pronouncing it similar. And it is something they put you under with when they're going to have some kind of surgical procedure. He had to be made unconscious to get a night's sleep and yet here comes jesus you see this doesn't just pay dividends when we get to heaven it starts in the here and now can you say man so jesus said in this world i'm going to tell you what you can expect out of this world and there's not enough money to buy you out of it there's no place to go i used to think about moving out west because of the song home home on the range where the deer and the antelope play, where never is heard. Can you imagine such a place where never is heard a discouraging word? And the skies, they're not cloudy all day. Oh, where is it? Where is that home? On There's no place on planet earth like that. We live in a fallen world. And you know what Jesus said? And it's a promise of Christ. And it's one you won't find in the promise box. Remember the... Look, I had one look like a loaf of bread and it had promises in it through the scripture. And you pull out one each day and you read it. Of course, you remember now, you're reading it out of context. You know you're just reading a scripture out of the context it was written in. Because people would pull out, my God shall supply all your need. Woo! According to his riches and glory in Jesus Christ. I claim that promise. Hallelujah. That's wonderful. Put it back in context and it said, because you have given so liberally and sacrificially to others. It's different in context. Because if you haven't given to others, you can't claim that scripture. And most people don't want to hear the rest of the story. They just want to hear that part of the story. And they say, I'm standing on the word here. I've got me a promise. Well, here's a promise you won't find in the box. In this world. And I always ask the question because we, we have to check out at their congregation each, each time. How many people are living in this world? You're still here on planet Earth. Almost got you. I almost got you. Amen. He had to think it over. I thought we might have an alien in our midst. Amen. Hallelujah. 
You live in this world. We live in the real world. I'm a realist. I don't put my head in the sand. I know. See, we've got a doctrine out there that would say, when you see the giant, say, what giant? I don't see any giant. If I don't see it and I don't say it, then it can't be. It won't happen. No, in the real world, you see it, you say it, but you say simultaneously. Amen. You come to me with sword and spear, but I come against you in the name of the Lord God of Israel. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. That's how you get victory, not by denying the problem and the pressures, but relying on God when those pressures and problems come. Praise God. You don't have to deny. Oh, by the way, you don't have to say it to get it. You're going to get it whether you say it or not. Amen. You don't have to say it to get it. Now, you can invite the devil by being so negative all the time to torment you with fear. You can depress yourself by talking fear instead of faith. But your words, your words are not going to keep you with a positive confession from trouble because Jesus promised in this world, you shall have tribulation. But cheer up. Be of good cheer. Now that's an amazing, almost contradictory statement. You're going to tell us about the trouble. And by the way, the Greek word was thelpsis. Thelpsis. T-H-E-L-P-S-I-S. Hyphen S-I-S. And it means pressure, anguish, and trouble. Can you say man? There's no escaping getting your heart broken in this world. There's no escaping having hurts and persecutions in this world. Disappointments and disillusionment is going to come to you. And it's going to come to me and it comes to everybody. Great prophets of old went through those seasons in their life when they were deeply discouraged because of the circumstances of living in a faulty body in a fallen world. Jeremiah What did he get? He preaches the Word of God. He was so excited. First, he was timid. And God said, when He sent him, He said, said, don't look at their faces. God knew what He was going to get when He went out in His name and brought His true Word. You're not going to get... Listen, that's why the Bible said, said, marvel not if the world hate you. It hated me before it hated you. But he said, he said, he said, when 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 you're when they cast your name out as evil and they persecute you for my sake and for righteousness, I want you to rejoice. See, there's that cheer up again. I want you to be exceedingly glad. Well, most of us don't react that way to the pressure and the persecution. We're not good at being of good cheer. I've had people tell me, Brother Venable, I, I just don't want to be a hypocrite, and uh, I'm, I'm just going to be honest about it. I'm, I'm really down. I'm really, well, it's good that we be honest about that. There's nothing wrong with getting down. There's something wrong with living in that atmosphere and that attitude. Can you say man? My dad used to sing that song. He used to play it. <laughs> I was lost and undone without God nor His Son. When he reached way down. 
for me. When the Savior reached down for me. Hallelujah. And, and he, would, he would always get weepy. Because he, he, he knew how desperately he needed God to hold him. And God to help him in his life. And I used to sit and sing it with him and encourage him. When I was 12 years old, my dad had a complete nervous breakdown. I couldn't go in the hospital at 12. They wouldn't let me go into his room. He put his, he put his hand under scalding hot water and he froze. He couldn't pull it back. And it put third degree burns on him and his hand was all wrapped up. When he came home, uh, they wanted to give him shock treatments back then. You've seen some of the old movies, how to treat people with, it, I mean, it was scary stuff. And they could addle you, ruin you for life. And my mother just wouldn't sign off. And at 12 years old, I began to pray intercessory for my daddy. I want you to know something. Amen. When a 12 year old child, is put in the position of praying for his father. Amen. It's a scary thing because I needed help and strength from my daddy. But I suddenly, the role was reversed when I was 12. I wasn't called to preach at 12. I was called to preach when it was manifest. But I was called to pray. I knew that prayer was important. That prayer was vital. And prayer could change things. And I remember sitting on my, my dad. When he come out of the hospital, his mind was just, I mean, what you saw in such a sweet man, it, it came through a process. It wasn't that way. And it scared me when, because my mom and dad divorced. And, and I, I had a stepdad that wishes I wasn't around. He never beat me or hit me or hurt me or any of those kind of scary things. But he just ignored me. So I tried to stay out of his way. I stayed away from home, and they didn't even know where I was and didn't care as long as I wasn't underfoot. So in a way, I had a, I, I just, I had a, I had a BSA motorcycle, and I'd sell bottles to get enough gas to put in it. Remember, remember bottles that you could cash in? I'd cash in bottles, put me some gas in it. I'd go off on my motorcycle. I'd be going all weekend, be back because I was hungry. Didn't have no money. I had to come home to eat. <laughs> Didn't have no lunch money. Spent my lunch money on cigarettes. Never ate lunch. Oh, they had some good lunch at Brandon High School. They had, I mean, they had stuff you didn't have back in elementary school and junior high. That you could get a hamburger if you wanted it and a milkshake. And I remember sitting there, I had my pack of cigarettes and I'd be looking at them hamburgers and looking at them milkshakes and thinking, boy, I wish I had my cigarettes and that hamburger and that milkshake. But I couldn't afford cigarettes and lunch. So I chose the cigarettes over the lunch. So when we got married, I got married to my wife at 16 years of age. She was 14 years of age. And we've been married now going on our 54th year in April. I think it's 54. Is that correct, Sister Venable? I don't have my calculator. It's 53 or 54. Amen. I'm sorry. 53 years. Going on 54. May the 18th. Going on 53. Hey, we've been, let's just put it this way. We've been married a super long time. Amen. And I'm going to tell you something about our marriage. It has come under pressure when you're married at 16 and 14 and you have to go out to work and you have bills and you have to make a living. You don't have time to do the stroll no more. 
You don't have the time to go on a date. You don't have the money to go on a date. I skipped lunch. I worked for Winn-Dixie and I skipped lunch. They say, come on, Robert, it's time to go to lunch. Well, I had no lunch money because I had to get baby food. We immediately had a child. Amen. And I had to get something to take home to eat. And I went back and got day-old bread out of the back room because they would, they would, the Winn-Dixie brand, they wouldn't resell. They didn't give it to anybody. I had to put it in a big furnace back there and burn it up. But, but I would get day-old bread, and I'd eat me four slices of bread and drink, drink, it, drink it down with water and work the rest of the day unloading trucks in the back of that old place, working for minimum wage to try to take care of my family. And I'm going to tell you something. Uh, your marriage comes under. We didn't get to be children. We didn't get to be teenagers. We became parents, and we had the responsibility. You know what our parents did? <laughs> That's your problem. Amen. That oh yes, no, there wasn't no I never I never went home to mama because mama wouldn't let me come home. I knew it so I didn't ask. Can you say man? I didn't go home to daddy because daddy had a nervous breakdown and daddy couldn't even give me lunch money. So I couldn't get help from my daddy, couldn't get help from my mama. We were in bad shape. And oh when we found Christ. Oh when we allowed the Lord to be the Lord of our life. Everything changed. Everything changed. Listen carefully. In this world, I'm just preaching. We'll teach one morning when we have more time. So I just want to tell you what God can do today. And in a fallen world, in a faulty body, in this world, you shall have tribulation, anguish, and pressure. Amen. But be of good cheer. Here's the hard part. Accepting the fact that we live in a faulty body, and we live in a fallen world, and we are not going to have it easy down here. It's going to be tough down here amen as uh in in the new testament in the new testament it says after you were illuminated hebrews chapter 10 and verse 32 after you were illuminated and by the way when you came to jesus you had to see spiritually because the god of this world has blinded the minds of men Lest they would watch, see the glory of the gospel, the opportunity, the privilege of knowing Christ. Hallelujah. But the God of this world has blinded the minds of men, lest they would see the glory of the gospel, and they would be saved. If they could see what we see, they would come to Christ as their Savior. If they could see their lost condition and where they're going to spend eternity, there's no way they would continue on that road if they could see it, but they can't see it. They have to be illuminated. That's why you can't convince them with just your words. We must have the Holy Spirit to do His work. And we must have strong intercessory prayer. Can you say amen? That, 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 the, that the scales would fall from those blinded eyes. Listen, the Bible said Jesus was anointed. He walked into the temple at 30 years of age. He began to quote the prophetic scripture of Himself in the book of Isaiah. And He said, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, for He has anointed me to open the eyes of the blind. And when people see that, they think of physical blindness. Bartimaeus and the man who washed his eyes in the pool of Siloam. But it is not that kind of blindness. It is not in the context of the physical. He still opens blind eyes today. He still heals today. I'm a product. I'm a living, breathing testimony of God's healing of leukemia. Listen to me carefully. 
But when he opens the eyes of the blind, you couldn't, you couldn't see what you see and know what you know, except the Father show it to you by his Spirit. You couldn't. Peter, who do you say that I am? And, and he asked a man that's the least qualified to try to answer this question that some were saying. He said, some people say I'm Elijah. Some people say I'm, I'm this, I'm that. Who do you say that I am? He asked a fisherman. Didn't ask the physician. He didn't ask the tax collector. He asked the most common guy among them. Who do you say that I am? And without skipping a beat, Peter said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. Where did you get such a clear, concise understanding and be so confident to make that statement? And you're not a theologian. You're not part of the Sanhedrin. You're not even part of the intellectual community. You're a fisherman. You're a blue-collar worker. And yet you got it. And he reminded him that he had it and where he got it from. He said, and flesh and blood did not reveal this unto you, but my Father which is in heaven. He was illuminated. I said he was illuminated. He was illuminated. Can you say, man, he saw it. Job was illuminated in the old covenant. God opened his eyes. Let him see through time. We're getting ready to celebrate Resurrection Sunday. Job saw it. Way back. Job is one of the most ancient books in the Bible. Hundreds of years before Christ came on the scene. Job saw it. Because after losing everything and his wife coming and saying, Why don't you curse God and die? Look, God hasn't done right by you. Everything is gone and you're covered with boils and there you sit in your despair. Why don't you curse God and die? And you know what? God showed him something. By revelation. I know my Redeemer lives. And at the last day, He is going to stand upon the earth. And when He does, I'm going to stand up with Him. Not another shall see Him, but I shall see Him. And though the skin worms eat all the flesh off of my dead bones, when He stands up, I'm going to stand up in my own flesh. Can you say amen? Woo! And because hope came in, where nothing but hopelessness was, He began to get rid of the poor old me's and cheer up. Amen! Because when you can pray for your enemies... And I don't mean pray God kill them. Can you say amen? Oh, David did there for a while till he had to get some mercy from the Lord and he quit it. He said, Lord, break their teeth. How long are you going to wait? Break their teeth out. Suck them. But then after he got mercy, it all changed. He began to give mercy and to grant mercy. Can you say, man, Job saw it. 
flesh and blood did not reveal it. A revelation changes everything. When you're illuminated, it changes everything. Don't expect the world to see what you see and know what you know. Amen. Expect them to not know and to not see. And you just can't convince them with your words. But when the Holy Spirit, you pray for them. When the Holy Spirit, Jesus said, I'm anointed to open the eyes of the blind, the spiritually blind, the mentally blind. I'm able, I'm anointed to open those eyes. We see so many things in that physical realm. We, we see it in the physical realm. Listen, I, I still believe that healing for the body and healing for the soul, healing for the soul is what allows prayer for the sick. But with his stripes you are healed is not initially Isaiah 53 is not about physical healing initially. What happens when you're saved gives you a covenant privilege to call the elders, have hands laid on because God has a covenant promise to you. Amen. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquity. It's called the gospel in the Old Testament. The chastisement. Of our peace, Isaiah 50 verse 5, was upon him. And with his stripes we were healed. And there's physical healing that can be quoted. But it's not the primary use of that scripture. You don't jump from that that has to do specifically with salvation to the physical world. From the eternal to the physical. You don't jump in one sentence. You can't jump. You can't. If you make that jump, it's a wrong jump. And you miss the point. You miss the point. The healing scripture, the real healing scripture in Isaiah 53 is verse 4. I can see you looking at me at a calf. Of, I love it when you look at me that way. That means you're going to go home and get your Bible out. That means you're going to get up, the, get into the Greek, and you're going to get into the Hebrew, and you're going to learn something. Not just find out I was right, but you're just going to learn something for yourself. You're going to see it for yourself. Amen? I love it when you see something for yourself. And I love it when you're challenged on Sunday morning. I'm so glad there are people sitting here looking at me funny right now. Can you say amen? Because you want me to explain it. I will. I'm glad that you ask. You ask by your attitude. You ask by your look. I'm telling you, we need to dig a little deeper in the Word. We need to dig deeper. Oh, we're saying what we heard some preacher say and we assume that that's it. We need to study to show ourselves approved. A workman that need not be ashamed. Brother Taylor rightfully dividing the word of truth. Can you say amen? Amen. Isaiah 53 and verse 4 says, Surely He's borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Do you know what the Hebrew, not the Greek rather, but the Hebrew word is for grief and sorrow? We know what the natural word is in our language. Grief is when you're heartbroken and you've lost a loved one. You're filled with grief and sorrow is when you, it just moves into that same area. But the word grief is sickness. And the word sorrow is disease. That's a lot more specific, isn't it? Amen. 
people that put an emphasis on healing instead of salvation or above salvation have got it out of order. If you get your body healed and your soul's not saved, you're in terrible shape. Can you say amen? But if you get saved and then receive a healing from the Lord, what a blessing. Because you've got the eternal already taken care of. And then the physical can be dealt with. And here's how this, this bears out in the book of St. Matthew. It said, And Jesus saw them coming out of every corner, bringing the sick and the afflicted, the halt and the maim, maimed. And he was moved with compassion, and he healed their sick. And then it goes on to talk about, according as it is written, he, he carried our sicknesses and healed our diseases. Amen. When he was healing the sick, Matthew was quoting Isaiah 53. Matthew was quoting verse 4, not verse 5, verse 4 of Isaiah 53. There's healing there. Amen. But it's in verse 4 for the physical body. Amen. Amen. It's there. But it's not in verse 5. It's easy to just jump over, take out of context, and try to build doctrines on something when we're not getting into that true area that God wants us to see. This is important. This is vitally important. That the Scripture might be fulfilled. He healed the sick that the Scripture might be fulfilled. He hath, surely He hath borne our sicknesses, exactly what it reads, in their language, in their understanding. And He's carried our diseases. So then it says He was wounded for our transgression. We're beginning with the part that has to deal specifically with salvation. The price paid so sins can be forgiven. He was wounded for our transgression. What is transgression? Everything we did that violates His law. The way of the transgressor is what? It's hard. That's why there's no peace in Hollywood. No happiness in Hollywood. Man can't be happy with the most beautiful woman you've ever laid your eyes on. And the woman can't be happy with the man. But my wife is happy with me. (laughs) Hallelujah. So Brad Pitt... Eat your heart out. Can you say man? Hallelujah. <laughs> and my wife should be able to say, Angelina, eat your heart out. You got old Brad and I got Bob. Hallelujah. Salvation. Wounded for what? Our transgression. We're not dealing with the physical anymore. Now we're dealing with the spiritual and the eternal. Not the physical and the temporary, but the spiritual and eternal wounded for our transgression. Bruised for our iniquity. What's the difference? Transgression is the act. It's what we did to violate His law. We've transgressed. And He's able to... Take our punishment so we can be pardoned from our transgressions. But iniquity is different. Wounded. Bruised and then wounded for our iniquity. 
Iniquity goes deeper. It's not the surface forgiving of sin, but it is the changing of the heart that caused you to sin to begin with. Thank God in the new covenant. Because of what Jesus did at the cross, He not only forgives sin, He sets the sinner free from the power of it. That doesn't mean that you can, you can, can live with never having to repent of anything. It means that sin doesn't reign. It is not the ruling force in your life any longer. And so the Bible said now, because He was bruised for your iniquity. Listen, if any man be in Christ, a change has to occur. Something called spiritual regeneration. And after you were converted, can you say amen? Glory to God. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. All things have become new. There's a new bent toward righteousness. You want to be right with God. You've got to want to and a will to. And you'll struggle with your flesh to do that. But the struggle isn't with His will. It's with your own weak flesh. Amen. Wow. Wounded for our transgression. Bruised for our iniquity. The chastisement of our peace was upon Him. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. There's a little, I, I, this came out of the pioneer days, the, if you will, the, the little house on the prairie type setting. Little boy from a poor family, the crops had failed. They wanted him to do better, get, have some hope in life. They were sharecroppers. Went to a one room schoolhouse when grades one through 12 in the same room. He didn't have any lunch and he was hungry. And he, after recess, was the first one in so he could reach into a bag and take an apple out of a lunch bag. Some other kids saw him and told the teacher he put the apple in his pocket. And the teacher said, did you get an apple out of that lunch bag? And this teacher was strict. This was back in the day. I'm, I, see, back in even my day, I wasn't, by the way, I wasn't back in the little house of the prairie days. I just want to make that clear. But my teacher, my ag teacher used to paddle me. And my principal, really, he didn't have to paddle me because they gave me the choice. You want to go to the principal and let him do it? He had a bigger paddle, so I chose the ag teacher. Amen. I'm always looking for a way out. And if my daddy and mama found out that I got paddled at school, I'd get a whipping from them. So this kid was in trouble. We sympathized with him because he was hungry and poor. And he was really weak because he had no, nothing to eat for lunch and had little for breakfast. And so the teacher said, come for your punishment. He's going to wear him out. He had a big old switch and he really laid it on those kids. The, the kid is about nine years old and there's a boy in there. He's 16 years old. He's big. He's brawny. He's got muscle and he had compassion on the little kid that did the wrong. And he said, teacher, he said, listen, he said, would you let me take his whipping? Because he's weak and he didn't mean to do it. And he'll never do it again. Will you? I know somebody has to be punished. Will you let me take the whipping for him? And so he gave the apple back and that big boy come up. And I'm going to tell you something. If you think teachers can't make a big boy hurt, 
I was a pretty big boy back then. I mean, I, you know, everybody hadn't outgrew me yet when I was in high school. They outgrew me when I got out of high school. He took the whipping for him, and he took an apple out of his own bag and gave it to the boy. He took the whipping for him and gave him an apple so he could eat something for lunch and half of his sandwich. And the little boy looked up to him the rest of his life because he took my punishment. He took my punishment. It was my punishment. He took, and not only did he take my punishment, but he shared his lunch with me on top of that. Now that's a double blessing. Can you say man, Friend of mine, I want you to know when it said the chastisement of our peace was on him. The Bible said... In the next verse, under that, after the stripes thing, it said, God, I will appoint him a portion. All we like sheep have gone astray. Verse 6, all we like sheep have gone astray. None righteous, no, not one. All we like sheep have gone astray. But God hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. Can you say amen? Wounded for our transgression, bruised for our iniquity. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. He that knew no sin became treated as sin. Hallelujah. And died as a lost sinner would die without the comfort of his father. Jesus didn't die with all the comforts of God and the consolations of God. God had to literally turn away. How do you know that, Brother Venable? Because of his cry from the cross. Eloi! Eloi! Lama Sabachthani! Which being interpreted as my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? He that knew no sin became sin. Oh, and here's the apple and the sandwich. Are you ready for the double blessing? That's enough right there. That ought to be enough to live for Him and to love Him and to serve Him and to praise Him all the days of our life. But He adds more than that. Hallelujah. That we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. Hallelujah. He took our filthy robe and took our punishment for the sin that had stained it to give us His righteous robe. Can you say, man, the Bible scholars call it the great exchange. He took our sin and punishment and we got granted His, his innocence and His blessing. Can you say, man, and being found in Him, not having my own righteousness, which comes through keeping the law perfectly, but the righteousness which is of God through Jesus Christ. Can you say, man, you got a robe on today spiritually that the devil can't pick apart. you got a robe on that he can't find fault with. And because you have been, you're, you're wearing a righteous robe today. Amen. And you don't want to drag it in the dirt. Can you say, man, you don't want to go down to this place and that place in this world. Not with that robe on. Can you say, man, that's how Christians overcome. They realize who they are and what they have. And they don't want to go down and soil it anymore. Glory to God. He was wounded for our transgression. He was bruised for our iniquity. The chastisement of our peace was upon Him. And with His stripes, the result of the chastisement, we are healed.
we are healed. From what? In that context, from sin's deadly wound. Can you say, man, we are healed. I am healed today above all spiritually. I got healed of leukemia at eight years of age, and that's why I'm here at 69 preaching and declaring Jesus the same today. But I want you to know something. I'm not putting that down. I'm just lifting this above it all. Can you say, man, I rejoice in the salvation of my soul. Because one day, because I live in a faulty body in a fallen world, one day, guess what? This old body is going to age until it gives out. But I want to be like one of our presidents who had faith in God, John Quincy Adams. I think we've got a quote by him right here. John Adams and John Hancock. Hey, man, listen to me. <laughs> they came to him at 85 years of age. And he was having some serious health problems at 85. But he had faith in God. And he, he <laughs> hallelujah, praise God. When your eyes are illuminated, it changes your perspective on everything. It also brings the trouble. The devil fights you because you see what nobody sees but need to see. You've got a message to give them. You can intercede for them. You see their lost condition. You have compassion on them. And you can pray for them like no one else would ever pray for them. No wonder the devil fights us tooth and toenail. John Quincy Adams, 85 years old, and he had a sense that this old body is wearing thin and wearing out. And someone asked him, John, how are you doing today? He said, John Quincy Adams is quite well, thank you. The house he lived in has seen many seasons come and go. It is tottering. It is dilapidated. In fact, I shall have to be moving out soon. But John Quincy Adams is quite well, thank you. He understood, absent from the body. Present with the Lord. Can you say that? Hallelujah. He knew his sins were forgiven. He knew his soul was saved. He knew with his stripes... The chastisement of our peace marked Jesus and marred him. His visage was marred like no other man's. He was, before he hung on the cross, he was beaten with the cat. One of the most horrifying and terrible beatings you could ever get. Because there were nine braided pieces of leather. And in the end was pieces of metal, sharp pieces of metal or pottery or glass. And when it wrapped around someone, it didn't just leave stripes like a whipping like I got from my grandmother, my sweet, wonderful grandmother. Told me to be home at 6 o'clock. At 5 after 6, I could hear I would be over playing with Big Patricia, my cousin. She's bigger than all the boys. Everybody's scared of her. She's my friend. She's my, my backup. Don't mess with me. Big Patricia will get you good. She red-headed, freckle-faced. And she wasn't no peppermint patty either. Can you say amen? She was seriously putting knots on your head. I'd be playing over at Big Patricia's house, supposed to be home for supper. And I would hear, Bobby? Bobby? Oh, I just ignored that. <laughs> 
Bobby, Bobby, and she's not going to walk way over there and get me. She knows I hear her. I'm ignoring her. And then she said, Bobby, and I thought, uh-oh, <laughs> that's my last warning. If I don't get home right now, she's coming with a switch, and she will switch me all the way home. And after it was over, I'd pull up my pants leg, and there'd be those little red stripes. I wear my shorts. Lord, I wish I had long pants when I got my whippings. Can you say amen? It wasn't those kind of stripes Jesus had. When that cat wrapped around him and they yanked it back, it would wrap around his rib cage, all the way around his rib cage, not just his back. And when they jerked it back, chunks, literal chunks of flesh was torn from his body. And in that prophetic scripture of his suffering on the cross, another one in the Old Testament, Isaiah 53, no one had ever been crucified when Isaiah 53 was written. But when he talked about his wounds, one of the Hebrew words meant to bore through, to bore through, to put that nail through his hands and feet. In Psalm 22, I believe it is, he said, my bones, my tongue cleaves to the roof of my mouth. Remember when he said he died like an abandoned sinner, even though he had never sinned in order to take our punishment. He said, my tongue cleaves to the roof of my mouth what was his cry from the cross i thirst i thirst just a drink of water just a drink of water and they dipped vinegar mixed in gall kind of a cheap wine is what it was and they put it on a sponge and put it up but you know what he knew here's what he knew listen He knew if I suck on that sponge to get that liquid, there's something in this that would help alleviate the pain. And if I don't bear all the pain, I'm not taking all the punishment. I can't say it's finished until the wrath of God is burnt out in me so they can be forgiven. And he refused it. Oh, Lord in heaven. Oh, Lord God in heaven. Thank God for Novocaine. Thank God for, 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 for a soldier that's got a leg blew off and they can give him morphine on the battlefield to help with the pain. There was no help with the pain on the cross. There was no presence to console him on the cross. Amen. So he said, and my tongue cleaves to the roof of my mouth, prophetic of what he would experience. And then he said... My bones stare out of me. In other words, the skin had been removed to the point that you could see his rib bones. You could see his rib cage. And that's why when Thomas doubted that it was Jesus that had been risen, he thought he saw a ghost, an apparition. Jesus said, come and put your finger through the holes in my hand. And then he took his robe. He opened it up. And there was the bare ribs. And he said, stick your hand in here where the spear punctured me and where I was beaten. 
friend of mine, I want you to know he was wounded for your transgression. He was bruised for our iniquity. The chastisement of our peace. Not only did he take our whipping, he gave us his lunch. Can you say man? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We're doubly blessed by what he did on that cross today. Glory be to God. All we, and with his stripes, the result of that whipping, we are healed. Of what? In that context, right there. It's all about sin and salvation. Sin's deadly wound was healed by the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. Can you say man? And just be and because we have been healed of sin's deadly wound we can now call god our heavenly father we can now pray in the name of his son and our savior jesus christ we can now lay hands on the sick and claim isaiah 53 4 surely he's borne our sicknesses and carried our diseases did you ever find that or did you in there you matthew Anyway, it's in the book of St. Matthew. I have to get it for you. You can read it. That it might be fulfilled, written by the book of, written by Isaiah. Surely, this is why the sick were being healed. Listen, Matthew's a good interpreter of the book of Isaiah. Amen. So we ought to go along with his interpretation. We're so, when we see open the eyes of the blind, we don't think of interceding for the lost, seeing souls come out of Satan's prison house, we think of physical things, physical healing. We're not dealing with flesh and blood. Our argument's not with flesh and blood. And by the way, this particular scripture, I've got to give you before we leave. While we were in the flesh, and we're still here in, in the flesh, not in the flesh spiritually, but in this physical body, we do not war after the flesh. And the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Stop right there. This is dealing with the lost man who can't see, who we need to be interceding for so that those blind eyes can come open because Jesus is anointed to open them. You, you can't witness good enough. You can't testify good enough. I testified to my wife. I had known the Lord, walked away from God. She'd never known the Lord. And I used to tell her how she needed to know the Lord. And we needed to know the Lord, but I didn't want to give up my sin to come to the Lord. And she decided, because God began to deal with her, she decided to go to church, and they prayed the sinner's prayer with her, and she still didn't know the Lord. They told her she was saved, but she knew she wasn't. Until you're illuminated, nobody can tell you these things. I couldn't. The preacher couldn't. But one night I came home from work, 3 o'clock in the morning on the night shift, and the light was on in the kitchen. And my wife is usually sawing logs at 3 in the morning. And I tried not to wake her. I come in, and she was sitting there at the table. <laughs> and I said, what's wrong, honey? What's wrong? She said, tonight, and it was just before Easter, just like now, Easter week. Coming up on Easter week in a little while. She said, I was watching TV tonight. She said, I was watching King 
of Kings. It's an old, campy Jesus movie that, that wasn't very realistic at all. Hollywood actor playing Jesus didn't play it very well. Amen. But the Holy Spirit. While she watched that, there was Scripture said and quoted. And the Holy Spirit came down on her. And i tell you, it didn't take the Holy Spirit because it's, I couldn't get it across. She didn't see what I saw. She didn't know. I knew it and was not ready to s- surrender to it. She didn't even know it. Went to church with my daddy. Went to an altar. How do you feel? I don't know. I never feel about anything. I never got anything. But that night, somebody was praying for her. She had a praying grandma. I know that. I mean a real praying grandma. I mean, there's prayers and there's prayers. She had been illuminated. She said, I confess my sin and receive Christ as my Savior. And how do you know that it happened? Because we had pooled our money to get us some cigarettes. Because, you know, you get your bread and bologna later. If you got a real nicotine craving, that comes first. And she had flushed them cigarettes down the commode already. <laughs> I'm not saying, I'm just saying there was a change that came immediate. Something that I knew something must have happened. My wife done flushed down our cigarettes. Amen. <laughs> so something must have happened. But she knew the Lord. We started going to church and she's known Him ever since. Hallelujah. But she was illuminated. Listen to this. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Casting down. Now we're dealing with the mind. Imaginations. And every high thing that exalts itself. We're dealing with the mind at that point. Against the knowledge of God. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Casting down imagination. What he's saying is the lost man is not going to get saved because of eloquent preaching without the Holy Spirit working. Can you say amen? The, the, the natural man receiveth not the things that are of the Spirit of God, for they are spiritually discerned or understood. I can tell you, listen, I can threaten you with hell, and I can promise you heaven how sweet it is, and neither one will bring you to salvation. I can't... Scare you bad enough with a message on hell to get you saved. And I can't offer you enough in the heavenly city to get you saved. But if the Holy Spirit convicts you, no man comes to me except who draws? My Father draws them. And we got preachers and preaching today that think we're good enough in and of ourselves, with our intelligence and ingenuity and our biblical knowledge that we can do it. We don't depend on the Holy Ghost and we're not seeing real converted conversions. We're not seeing born again people. We're seeing church people that walk out of church and act like the Bible and Jesus don't exist until the next Sunday. Go through a graduate course in theology and don't know one thing about spiritual warfare. Talking to blind men as if they can see what we see. That's why in a full gospel businessmen's meeting, when I attended some years ago in Tampa, a man gave a testimony there about a man who came to Christ in that meeting. Businessmen and pastors used to come to those meetings. 
<laughs> I remember the testimony because a man who was shot down in, in like a, in Vietnam, his name was Colonel Bottomley. He flew a fighter jet, a bomber jet rather, and he was shot down behind enemy lines. He came to know Christ as his Savior, and he was giving his testimony about how he came to know Jesus as his Savior. And there was a man in a suit, they assumed was a businessman sitting in the back. A lot of businessmen came. And he listened to that testimony. And when they said, is there anyone here that wants to receive Christ as their Savior? This man stood up and raised his hand and walked forward and said, pray for me that I know Jesus as my Savior. And after they prayed for him and he got gloriously saved, he told them who he was. He had been a pastor eight years of one of the most predominant denominational churches in the city of Philadelphia. That's an incredible thing that a preacher would get saved, would recognize all of his Bible learning without Christ is not the same as salvation. But when salvation occurs, it's a mighty thing. It is a powerful event. It is not shaking hands with the preacher or even baptized in water. If you're not saved when you get baptized, water can't do anything for you. You go down a dry center and come up a wet center. Can you say, man? But if you're saved, you come up to walk in the newness of life. Can you say man and that means you struggle with the flesh every day but you don't struggle with God's lordship hallelujah you have a will to obey hallelujah wow there are people in this room we need to get past our surface understanding of the scriptures we have a surface understanding. We think, we got it. That's what it says. That's what that preacher's preached and I heard it. That's what he taught. We need to get deeper because the devil's counting on us just skimming the surface of the Word and not getting deep enough in it to do him damage. I believe we need to get deep enough in the Word to wield. <laughs> there's something, there's a piece of spiritual armor called the sword of the Spirit. Can you say man? Hallelujah. Which is what? Which is the Word of God. When Jesus was tempted in the wilderness, He used a weapon that He has passed down to you, passed down to me that every one of us as a Christian in this room can use if we know how to use it. Can you say man? And if we're willing to use it. Glory to God. Hallelujah. The devil came and tempted Him. And how did He resist? He said it is written and the devil felt it he said ask him another time what you know if thou be if you're the son of god cast yourself down from here and jesus said it is written again and the devil felt it it cut him deep can you say man Hallelujah. He came to him with a third temptation. If you're hungry and he was starving 40 days without food, you got the power to turn these stones to bread. Go ahead and do it on your own arbitrarily. Don't worry about the Father's will or permission. Just show who you really are. And he tempted him with his own hunger and his own need for nourishment. And Jesus said, it is written, man will not live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Can you say, man? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. He quoted three verses out of the book of Deuteronomy. 
And the devil, devil left him and tempted him no more that day. He said, I can't take no more. Amen. It ain't getting me nowhere but hurt. Can you say amen? Somebody give God some glory in this room. Give God some praise in this house. Hallelujah. We need to get deep enough in the Word of God to use the sword of the Spirit accurately. I don't expect nobody to get saved because of my bumper sticker. That's why I don't even have one. But because of my compassion and intercession, spiritual warfare that is waged, and knowing that Jesus is appointed and anointed to open the eyes of those whom Satan hath blinded. And we can war a war, but we can't fight it without an understanding. We cannot fight it and win it. Many of you are disgusted, some discouraged, and many distracted in this room today. Meanwhile, while we are distracted and discouraged, while we are focusing on the problem, we are unable to be of good cheer. We are unable to do what Jesus commanded us to do when the pressure's on. He's telling people under pressure, don't be surprised at the pressure. Get over it and cheer up. I have overcome the world. That meant I went before you prepared the way. I faced it and defeated the devil so that you could have the victory. Hallelujah. I I was tempted in all points like you are, but I never sinned. Make no mistake about it. I know how to lead you through this world and defeat the enemy of your soul. So be of good cheer. Be of good cheer. That's the hard part. Number one, we don't understand that this is part of the Christian life. After you were illuminated, you endured a great fight of afflictions. That's not a run in your hose on Sunday morning. Can you say amen? It's worse than that. It's not a flat tire on Sunday morning. It's not the car full of kids on Sunday morning. And they're going nuts in the back seat. And you're trying to get ready for church as a young couple. And you're saying, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. (laughs) Glory to God. Amen. It goes deeper than that. It gets worse than that. But be of good cheer. Cheer up. (laughs) Cheer up, church. God is still on the throne. Jesus is still Lord. The devil is defeated and Christ is glorified. Hallelujah. Fight the good fight of faith. But you got to cheer up. Woo! All we like sheep have gone astray. But God hath laid on him. The iniquity of us all. Therefore, I will appoint unto him a portion with the great. I will put him in a place of honor and praise that nothing shall take him down from. Can you say, man, for with his stripes I was healed of sin's deadly wound. And because I was healed of sin's wound and reconciled to God, now I can be healed in the physical. But don't you ever seek physical healing without dealing with sin. 
Most people think they need more faith. What they need is to get their sins truly forgiven, confess them, and get them out of the way. If there's any sick among you, is sin mentioned here? Do we deal with sin? Listen, it will be. Listen, if there's any sick among you, James 5, 14, let them call the elders of the church. Let them anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. The prayer of faith will save the sick and the Lord shall raise them up. And we're not done. We're not done. We're done as far as the seeker for healing alone is concerned. But we're not done. The Bible's not done. God is not through speaking. You're looking at me again with that look. I'm glad you'd not learn something if you don't think you know it all. I haven't been studying and preaching for 43 years. To just say what someone else said because they said it without studying it for myself in the Word. That's why so many Christians are following false teachers and false doctrine. Especially in the Pentecostal charismatic movement. We're the worst for it. We're the worst for it. The false prophets couldn't exist without our offerings and our money that support them. there's being sick among you, let them call the elders of the church. Let them anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. For the prayer of faith shall save the sick and the Lord shall raise them up. And if, right then and there, if they've committed any sin. What did God say in the old covenant? My ear's not heavy that it cannot hear. I'm a prayer answering God. My hand is not short that it cannot save. I'm a powerful delivering God. Hallelujah. There's only one reason it's not occurring. Your sin has separated between you and your God. Hallelujah. Can you say, man? So it said if they've committed any sin, if there's something in the way, hold on. Oh, it shall be forgiven them. Can you say, man, it's a time, church, to not just get in line to get healed, but get in line to get right with God so that His ear can hear and His hand can deliver. Can you say, man, somebody give Him praise in this room. That's why He was striped. That's why He was bored through. That's why He was wounded. That's why He was beat up. So that we could be forgiven. But we can't be forgiven if we don't repent. And his death and his dying and his suffering is in vain unless we're willing to say, Lord, I repent, forgive me. But the moment we do, he said, you return to me. (laughs) You don't have to wait. It's going to be so. When the prodigal son came home, that's real repentance. Turn around and going back the right way. When he came home, when he came home, the father didn't wait for him to drag himself in. He ran to him, fell upon him, kissed him, and said, Oh, bring the best, bring the best robe and put on him. Bring the ring and put on his finger, the family signet. Put shoes on his feet. Can you say, man, and go kill the fatted calf? For this, my son that was lost is now saved. He ran. He ran. Only time in Scripture I ever seen that God ran. And you say, man, this is about God and the lost man. God and the prodigal. God and the backslider. You take one step toward the Lord. He'll take a whole bunch of steps towards you. That's right. He'll take two. It's more than two. He ran toward him. 
And I don't know why in the world Christians have got so self-righteous and sanctimonious that we don't see our need for forgiveness in a service. We just want our healing and go our way. We're not interested in getting right with God. We intercede for others, and we're not, in, we're not praying for them to get right with God. We're praying for their particular need to be met. Their greater need is to get right with God. And God would meet their need. God would hear their prayer if they're a Christian. God would listen to them if they'd get right with Him. But you know what's easier than humbling yourself and getting right with God? Get in the healing line, man. Get the spout where the glory comes out. I've seen people couldn't church, sit in church as long as you have today. Five minutes after 12, they get antsy. They're out of there. They're tired, sick and tired of the preaching. That's fine if you don't have cancer and you don't need to be healed. Going down and have fun all day. Forget church. Get it on. Get it over with. And let's do something fun. But faith comes by hearing. Hearing comes by the Word of God. And if we're going to cut it short so you can just do carnal things on Sunday, then you're never going to have the faith to believe God when the real trouble comes. And I'm going to tell you, down that emergency room, flat on your back like I was, you're glad you spent the time in the presence of the Lord and hearing the Word of God. It's a great investment. Hallelujah. It's a great investment. Hallelujah. Did I hand you something? Will you stand to your feet today? We're actually going to quit. I want to see every barrier to God's blessing removed. I want to see in my generation prayers answered. And you know what I want to hear with my ear? The Bible said, blessed is the man that knows the joyful sound. I want to hear the sound of rejoicing once again from the mouths and lives of God's people. I want to hear the melody. I want to hear the shouts of victory. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. 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 How many has got anything in your life, whether it's an attitude of unbelief or doubt, whether you've entertained fear, is there anything you need to say, Lord, I'm sorry. I'm over here in an area I ought not be, and I want to get it corrected today. I want you to help me get this corrected today. I've spoken words that were not of faith at all, but of fear and doubt. And I want to correct that. I want to change that. I have entertained worry. I've entertained it. I've invited it. And it's hurting me physically, spiritually, and mentally, and emotionally. Yet I've entertained it. But brother, remember, you don't know the situation. It doesn't matter. God is bigger. I'm telling you, you've got to see God bigger. Thank you for those that will give him a little bit of a praise. If I spend all day listening to you tell me about your problem, I'll be like the man that in Louisiana came to a bridge over a bayou. Saw a man standing on the bridge at 3 o'clock in the morning, leaning like he's going to jump. God jumps out of his car and says it can't be that bad. It just can't be that bad. Nothing can be that bad, sir. He said, what in the world is wrong? And for an hour and a half, that guy told him every reason why he was ready to jump 
from that bridge. And when he got done, they both jumped in. Amen. Listen to me. Amen. We need some people around church that can say something good about God. That can see God is greater. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Somebody that will say what he put on the website. When, when, the, when men are cast down, someone comes along and says, There is lifting up. Can you, Psalm 73, somewhere in there. Amen. Read the whole book of Psalms till you come across it. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Somebody has to come along and say, there's hope in God. There's help in God. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Be of good cheer. You've got to cheer up to use your faith. I've overcome the world. Hallelujah. I've overcome the devil. I've overcome the grave. Hallelujah. I've conquered death for you. Cheer up. Get your joy back. Get your melody. Get your song back. Get your shout back. Hallelujah. 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 Let's give him praise before we leave.